Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Amen. Again, we're glad that you're here today, and we are starting a brand new series for you today. We concluded our series on the Holy Spirit last week called I've Seen a Ghost. If you missed any of those messages, check them out on YouTube, on our podcast. I think they'll really help you learning what is the Holy Spirit. Why should we seek the Holy Spirit? What does that mean for our lives? And and, and last week we looked at, lastly, the gifts of the Spirit. And I think we're going to transition pretty seamlessly today into the fruit of the Spirit. Again, last week we looked at the nine gifts of the Spirit. There's gifts of faith, gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, And these are very glamorous gifts, right? They're very exciting gifts. They're more exciting than probably the concept of the fruit of the Spirit, like gentleness and patience and self-control. A lot of times Christians want to talk about and they want to operate in the supernatural, you know, healing and prophecy. But I think we should also be focused on being super at natural things, giving us the ability to develop in the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, just, I said this last week, but the gifts of the Spirit, you know, those can be given to anyone. It's a gift. You can be young in the faith, you can be mature in the faith and receive a gift, but the fruit of the Spirit, it takes time in your life. Be patient, growing in the fruit of the Spirit. And and that's why we talk about judging a person by the fruit of their life, because your fruit is developed by your nature. You know, a seed for an apple tree, it can't then plant pears, right? Right? It's got to be in its nature, what it's meant to do. And we know there's no such thing as a perfect person or a perfect church, but when when a person or or a church is under scrutiny, I say, well, okay, they're going through through some things, but look at the fruit of their life. What does the fruit of their life say? Are we seeing good fruit happening from their church or from their life, or is it, yeah, there's some things in there that have been issues for a while, right? The fruit of the Spirit can accurately judge the fruit of their life. Can, it can judge their character and their personality. And so we've entitled this series on the fruit of the Spirit, It's Not a Coconut. Now let me explain what that means for a second. If you grew up in church, and, and maybe you, you did this song together in kids' ministry. I know maybe John remembers it, or, and Derek, some others. But, but there's this one song we do in kids' ministry, and the teacher would yell out and say, yell out a fruit. Somebody yell out a fruit. Orange. So we'd say, orange, okay, the fruit of the Spirit isn't an orange. No, the fruit of the Spirit isn't an orange. So if you want to be an orange, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit. And then you would sing out together because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I went really fast there, but you'd start slow, pace yourself. And then by the end, you could see how fast you could go. So I decided to entitle this series, It's Not a Coconut. Also because I hate coconut, I think it's disgusting, it tastes bad, but that's up for your opinion and your personal taste. It's not a coconut. Uh, so the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, if we could choose one key metric to determine the health and the strength of our church, I would choose the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in our church. The fruitfulness. I can't get an amen on that. The fruitfulness of our church. We want good fruit coming out of this church, right? More important than attendance numbers, I want to know, was there an atmosphere of joy in this place? 
You know, more important than titles of pastors or coordinators or directors or whatever, I care about the spirit of kindness in our attitude towards one another. More important than the amount of Instagram followers we have or or the reach of a video, I want to make sure in kids' ministry we have a spirit of gentleness with those kids. And hopefully those kids are having a spirit of gentleness as they play with one another. We can only hope, remember, it's a fruit. It takes time to develop, right? More important than all those things, can that, the fruit of the Spirit, can that be the metric of our church? To measure the fruit of the Spirit rather than trendiness. You know, trends and styles, they're going to come and go. But you're typically going to remember the attitudes and the feelings that you experience from people. Think about it in the workplace. You know, you probably have a better feeling, uh, better memory of, of a boss who was good and kind to you instead of the ambition of your coworker. You're like, okay, you're not actually being kind to me. You just, you're using me as a stepping stone in your life, right? To measure the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. But right before he lists out the fruit, he says this. Look at, me, look at Galatians. You can look at me too, but look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I love how Paul is so honest here when he talks about the struggle of our flesh and walking in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit, we are willing to resist the desires of the flesh. Now, notice he doesn't say, if you're so holy and you're so righteous, you're not going to desire those things. No, what is he saying there? He says, he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It'll keep you from doing the things that you want to do. He says, we're, we're humans, you know. We're, we're very good at finding things that we think will satisfy us. And then we try them, and it, it may satisfy you for a while, but you leave overall feeling empty and, and missing that key element. But Paul goes on, he lists out these different works of the flesh, these things that we want to do, but we're, we're waging against the Spirit in. He lists out things like uh, dissension and, and jealousy and envy and sexual immorality, a whole list of things. But then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he ends the chapter saying this, verse 25, He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is to help us keep in line, keep in sync, keep in step with the Spirit. And as you walk in step with the Spirit, you will see those nine fruit of the Spirit grow in your life. Now, I believe that there are some parts of the fruit of the Spirit that we will naturally be stronger at and some that will naturally be harder, more difficult for us. But overall, we are developing, we are cultivating through our journey, through our walk with God, all nine fruit of the Spirit. And so through this series, we're going to be looking and talking through the different fruit of the Spirit. Some weeks we're going to lump a couple of them together, and some weeks we're going to take them one at a time. And today we're going to go with the first one. We're going to look at the fruit of love. 
And in order to do that, we're going to look at what is called the love chapter in the Bible. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. I cannot take credit for it. I'm not smart enough to think about this. But last week, if you remember, we were in 1 Corinthians 12. We talked about the gifts, the spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit. If you didn't know, 1 Corinthians 13, the next chapter is the love chapter. It's a perfect transition to go into the fruit of love. Are you with me? Ready to talk through the fruit of love this morning? Okay. Here we go. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to take this a few verses at a time. Let's read the first three verses together. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We're going to look at three different points of, of what love is, what love does. First of all, number one, love comes first. Love is first. Paul's saying if you speak in tongues, but you don't have love, you're just a meaningless sound. He's pretty blunt about this, right? He, he says, without love, your words do not have effect. They do not have power like they should. Love has to come first. It's, it's our first priority. It makes me think of, of different people. You know, we've all seen maybe in a crowded city or, or near a, a big event taking place, there, there could be people holding up signs or have a megaphone saying, you're all going to hell. And, and they, they yell this out. And I'm not sure there's a whole lot of love in those statements, right? Not a whole lot of love in those actions. I don't think many people, if any, are coming into a relationship with Christ as a result of that. In fact, I'm pretty sure more likely people are going to tune out Christianity because of that, right? We have to do things with love. Paul is saying you can have, you can have the greatest power and strength and courage, like, it, it takes courage to go do that on a street corner, right? That would not be my first inclination. I wanted to go step up. Even if I was preaching love and saying, God so loved the world and all those things, it takes courage to do that, right? But if you have courage and you don't have love, you're making a lot of noise. I don't think you're making much of a difference. It takes love first. When I look at the Gospels and I see how Jesus would approach situations, he would always talk to the person. He would sit down with them get to know them, what they're going through. And don't get me wrong, love doesn't mean that you don't speak truth to somebody. It doesn't mean you tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. You know, Jesus said to them, to, to some of the different people that he met, go and sin no more. He spoke truth to what they were going through, but he didn't do it in a condemning manner to make them walk away feeling worse about themselves, but believing the best about themselves. Paul continues on and he says, that you can have prophetic powers. You can understand all the mysteries. You can have faith to move mountains, but without love, you have nothing. Do you, do you see what he's doing here? He's actually lifting, listing out the different gifts of the Spirit that we talked about in the prior chapter, and he's comparing them to love. He's saying you can have the, the, the gift of prophecy or tongues or the gift of faith. He lists out all these different gifts of the Spirit, but he says if you don't have love, then you're not actually making a difference. 
You're not reaching the people. Now, do, do you love your family or do you just tolerate them? Now, sometimes tolerating them is loving them at, at different times. And do, do you love your coworkers or are you just getting through the day? You just have to see them for a few more hours and then you can go home and get away from them. And we're called to love our people, love the people that are, we're around. Paul then says you can even sacrifice. You can give all that you have and sacrifice yourself, but if you don't have love, you gain nothing. Think about for a moment the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And he said, I've done all these things. I checked off all these boxes. And then he said, okay, great, go sell all your stuff and give it to the poor. And he wasn't willing to do that. Why? Because he didn't have love to do it. He was just trying to check off all the boxes. But also his love was in his, in his material possessions rather than in God. Before we continue on about talking about love a lot today, I want to define love from the Bible terms, okay? There are four different Greek words for love. You might have heard these before. The first one is eros. That's probably the most popular one in our society and our culture today. You know, when people are singing about love, they're talking about this eros, this, this romantic, this sexual love. You're talking about all I need is love by the Beatles, right? They're, they're singing, um, um, I can't help falling in love with you, um, L-O-V-E, Nat King Cole. These are the types of eros love. Second type of love is storg. It refers to a familial love between a parent and a child. It's the kind of love that you and your, your brother fight for the remote and hit each other, and then you have, to, you have to hug it out afterwards, that kind of love. Number three is, is philia. It's a, it's a brotherly friendship or affection. It's a partnership. It's considered to be the greatest amount of love you could have for someone outside of a relationship with God. And those are all great definitions of love. They have their meaning and their, their moments in, in our life, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the word agape. It means a love that doesn't change. A love not based on conditions. A love that doesn't expect anything back. It gives without desiring anything back. This is the love that Paul's talking about. This is the love that has to come first as we operate in the gifts of the Spirit. So love comes before the gifts. Remember last week we talked about, we talked about speaking in tongues and that specific gift of the Spirit, and that's great. But then Paul says, don't neglect all the other eight gifts. And then here in 13, Paul says, all the gifts are great, but then most importantly, more importantly than all that is love at the top. And 2 Peter actually speaks to this as well. He says in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, talking about how love is most clearly reflects the character of God. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Peter shows it this way. He says, when you walk with God, it's, it starts with your faith in Him, right? The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. But then he says, in order to grow in your faith, add virtue. 
and add knowledge and add all these things. But at the very top, the pinnacle of all those things that you can add to grow your life in God is love. Love is the capstone. It's the pinnacle of knowing how to walk out our relationship with God. And then after Peter lists those out, he then explains the product of these qualities. Read verse 8. He says, For if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Increasing these qualities will increase the effect and the fruit of your life with love being at the top, love being first. I think there's a reason why Paul puts it first in the order of the fruits of the Spirit. All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Let's read the next four verses together. Verses 4 through 7. It says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul continues to explain and define love. He says, when you're patient with someone, when you're kind to someone, you're showing them love. And I found that interesting because we know that both of those, kindness, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, right? But yet Paul defines love by including those other gifts and saying the action of patience, the action of kindness is a way that you can show love. Love is more than just a word, right? It's an action. It's, we have to live that out in our lives. And think about how you can show love towards someone by being patient with them. The first example I thought of is when you go out to eat as a group. And there's always one person in the group that just takes a little bit longer to decide what they want to eat, right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you're probably that person. Uh, but you wait for them, right? And, and, and then the, the waitress comes back and, oh, we're not quite ready yet. Sorry, we're waiting a little bit longer. And then the waitress forgets about you. And now you're getting hangry and you're trying not to take that out on the other people, right? You're trying to be patient. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is that just me? Love is patient and kind in those moments. You know, a lot of times we, we want to have it our way. We want to have it immediately. But love defers. Love says, you know what? You can pick what we do. Let's do whatever you want to do. It doesn't have to be about me. That's the agape love that Paul's talking about. Paul goes on. He he doesn't just say what love is not, what is, it is. It says what is not. He says love does not boast. Steelers fans, if you beat the Browns, you're not supposed to boast. Okay, I don't want to hear from you. Stay out of my mentions. Don't text me. Don't, Don't boast. All right? Love is not rude. And then it says love it does not insist on its own way. And I love, I love this next part here. This is really powerful to me. Where Paul says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. That brings us to our second point. Number two, love conquers storms. It conquers the storms. So we all face problems in our lives. We all go through different circumstances. But love gives us the ability to keep going to keep fighting through the storm. 
Let's look at each one of these. First, it says, love bears all things. In 1 Peter 4, it says that love covers a multitude of sin. So love can bear, love can cover over the things that we go through in life. It means we don't seek to get offended, right? If when things don't go our way, we don't assume the worst, right? It can bear the burdens that we go through. I think about my dad growing up. He was an associate pastor. A lot of times that he had to bear burdens of his friends and people in the church. I remember specifically late at night, a couple times, uh, a man would come to our house. He would walk out on the porch. My dad would put his arm around him and, and was bearing the burdens as he was struggling through a marriage. On our own, we don't want to help people out. We, we're like, I got enough going on on my own. But love gives us the ability to bear all things. Secondly, it says love believes all things. It means that you believe the best about people, not the worst. When you love someone so much, you don't expect them. You don't believe that they're going to hurt you. If you look at a friend and, and maybe you're waving as you go past them or, or something like that, and they're not expecting to see you, and so they ignore you or they, they just, they're not phased, you don't expect that they hate you all of a sudden, right? You don't expect that no longer do you have a relationship or a friendship with them. Now, if you waved at, a, at somebody you didn't know and they just like kept mean mugging you as they're passing, you might be like, I don't know what I did to them. You might expect the worst. But when you love someone, you believe the best out of them. You say, they just have a bad resting face, but they, they love me. I know that. I believe that. Right? We believe the best about people. Love hopes all things. Meaning love is optimistic. We believe the future is bright for our life. When we get hurt by something or, or something offends us, we don't say, I'm going to be hurt forever now. I'm going to be offended. This is just the way I have to live my life now. No, it hopes and believes that the best is yet to come. It says, I know I'm going through something, but I have a hope because I have a God that takes care of me and he has a plan for me. So I'm hoping tomorrow is not going to be the same day as today. I'm going to be better. And the last one, possibly the hardest one, Paul says, love endures all things. It means that you can keep going when you experience difficulty, when you meet a challenge, when someone does you wrong. Quite honestly, without the love of God, I don't understand how people that have experienced loss and experienced trauma, I don't know how you can keep going. Without the love of God, you can't, but the love of God says you can endure all things. Charles Spurgeon, a, a preacher from the 1800s, he, he had a quote about how, how to get past an offense. He said, if your brethren are angry without a cause, be sorry for them, but do not let them conquer you by driving you into a bad temper. Stand fast in love, endure not some things, but all things for Christ's sake. So you shall prove yourself to be a Christian indeed. You can prove that you're a Christian by how you stand fast in love. And this is where we know that love is a fruit of the Spirit because we can differentiate it from what the world's viewpoint, what the world's definition of love is. Right? The fruit of love, it continues and it conquers, whereas the emotion of love, it changes. It says, well, I tried, but I can't keep going. 
I'm not feeling it anymore. I have to follow my heart. Like, no, you want to follow what you want to do. That's not the same thing as following your heart. Now, here Paul says the fruit of love, it says it can bear only what I can handle. No, it says I can bear all things. It says I can believe only when it's convenient for me to believe. No, he says I can believe all things. It can hope until, until things fade away or I get discouraged. No, it says I can hope all things. It means I can endure for some situations, but other circumstances, I can't. No, I can endure all things. I think we need to clap and give God praise this morning because we know that his love in us allows us to endure and believe and hope for all things. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have the ability to endure and believe and hope all things. Maybe this morning you're saying, Matt, why am I struggling to love? Why is the love of God not growing inside me like I want it to? Take a moment to think about what the opposite of love is. There's a lot of things that come in war with love, anger and hate and rage. But I think actually the opposite of love is fear. A lot of times we struggle to believe and hope all things because we have fear. We, we have fear of what the future can bring us. We have fear of what, what would happen if this happened. What could happen if, if this person, I lost this person in my life. This fear is what wars against love. So I encourage you, when you're making decisions in your life, I think all decisions stem from a place of either fear or love. So when you come with a problem and an issue and you're trying to make a decision, I would take a moment and say, am I thinking through this through the lens of fear? Am I making this decision to protect me because I'm afraid of something? Or am I making this decision out of love for someone, out of belief and faith? Love gives you the ability to hope and believe and bear and endure all things. Love conquers storms. And then Paul continues on. Let's read the next three verses. Verses 8 through 10. It says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. We said that love, love comes first, Love conquers storms, and lastly, love carries on. It continues on. The first line of verse 8, it says that love never ends. Never ends. It's a great name for a song, in my opinion. Never ends. Love never ends. Paul then compares love to some of the gifts of the Spirit. He says prophecies, they're not going to last forever. Tongues will eventually cease, knowledge will pass away, but love, love's never going to end. And just a teaching moment for a second, people have actually, they've used this verse as an argument that tongues were only for the Bible times and not for today. That's not what Paul is saying. He says, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. I don't know about you, but when I look at this world, I don't see a whole lot of perfection taking place at the moment. I mean, you guys look great, you're all great, but none of us here are perfect, right? 
But we're still very much in the partial mode of life. And Paul is comparing the nature of the gifts versus the nature of love. He says, love is eternal. The gifts are for here on this time on earth. And the gifts are meant to demonstrate God's love to people. Remember before, he he says operating in the gifts without love, he said it's just noise, right? It's pointless. It, It doesn't have a purpose. But the love of God brings purpose because it points to the everlasting nature of his love. It explains that the point of the gifts are to point people to the love of God. We all know what the most famous scripture in the Bible is, right? John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That scripture says the reason that whoever believes in Jesus won't perish but have everlasting life, the whole reason for that is because God loved us. The love of God, the everlasting love of the Father has turned into an opportunity for everlasting life for you and me. God didn't have to do that. No no one forced him to do that. It's because he loved us that he chose to do that for us. And he gives you the opportunity to accept his gift of salvation because of his love. He offers forgiveness to us when we mess up and we make mistakes because his love continues on. I need to make sure before we leave today, you know the love of God has never ended for you. There's nothing that you've ever done to run out or dry out the love of God. Amen? There's no expiration date on his love. It never stops. His love never ends. And Paul continues to explain the temporary versus the eternal, the comparison of gifts and love. Let's read the next two verses. 11 and 12 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Maybe just a reminder for the parents in this room to think about your child through that way. They're thinking like a child. They're reasoning like a child. They're not grown up. They're not fully developed. Just to help you out. But then he says, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. He continues to compare the partial with the perfect, meaning time on earth versus time in heaven. He says, as a child, we're going to be immature about the gift sometimes, you know, but when we're mature, we will understand how to use the gifts and pursue them with love. Then he talks about this this mirror versus face-to-face thing. I don't know if you've read that before, but I never quite understood what he was talking about. But I think you have to think about mirrors in the context of those days. Not the mirror that you got in front of in the bathroom this morning as you were getting ready. Think about a mirror in biblical times. Not quite crystal clear, I'm guessing. Probably difficult to see yourself in a mirror in those days. But I found it interesting. I read that Corinth, this is the book of the Corinthians, Corinth was actually famous for producing some of the best bronze mirrors. But even a quality mirror in those days is not going to give you the clearest vision, 
right? Compare a dim mirror to being face-to-face. In those days, that's no comparison, which is better. So in regards to love, he's saying the gifts are dim and they are temporary in comparison and they are no match to the permanence of the love of God. Then Paul ends the chapter with this. This is his final note to us. Alex, if I could have you come play keys as we close. Read this last verse with me, verse 13. It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Paul's final words in this chapter is focusing our attention on these three key elements. He says, don't focus on power and miracles and gifts. Those are great. But focus on faith and hope and love. Let these abide in you. Let those dwell in our hearts. We should operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but it's all as a result of our love for people. And Paul closes with saying the greatest quality, faith, hope, and love are great, but the greatest quality of those three is love. Why do you think that is? I think it's because God is love. We can have hope in God. We can have faith in God. But God is not faith and he's not hope because he does not have to have faith and hope in anything outside of himself. We have to have faith and hope in God. But at the end of the day, we know love, it never ends. Love is eternal and God is love. The primary goal in our life, what should focus us, what should center us, is the love of God through us. Would you stand with me this morning? We're not going to do a long-winded altar time this morning, but I want to take a moment to pray for you and pray for the fruit of love to grow in you so that in all situations, it would be your first priority. In all situations, you can conquer the storm in your life. In all situations, you would remember that at the end of the day, in eternity, love never ends. It never fails. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to pray specifically for three different groups here as we close. And as I list these out, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand so I can be thinking about you and praying with you as we close. First of all, I want to pray for those that we talk about love being the first priority. Love comes first. Maybe you say today, Matt, sometimes when things come up, love is not my first inclination. It might be anger, it might be discouragement, it might be depression. I don't choose love a lot as my first response. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Yes, I see that hand. Yep. Yep, I see that hand. Yep. Second one, I want to pray for those that are going through a storm in your life. And you need the love of God to weather that storm, to remind you, to rise up in your heart and remind you that his love hopes all things, it believes all things. It's easy to believe those things and know those things when things are going good in our life. It's a lot harder to remember that love endures all things when we're going through something that's worth enduring. If that's you today and you need the 
supernatural love of God to raise up in your heart right now to get you through a storm, would you raise your hand? Yes, I see the hand. Yep, 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 yep. All right, last one, and then we're going to pray. For those of you this morning that you've been believing the lie of fear, that God couldn't love you, that you've messed up too much, I want to pray with you today to experience and know that Jesus has an everlasting love for you. If you need prayer to come against that lie of the enemy and to know that the love of God is in your heart, he has not left you, he has not abandoned you, I ask, would you raise your hand at this time? Yes, I see the hand. Anyone else? Yep. All right, let's pray together, church. God, I ask right now that you would stir up our faith to believe and to hope. I pray right now for those that are struggling with love being the first option, the first priority in their life. I pray that when situations arise, when something unexpected happens, that love would be our first choice. Take away our anger. Take away our impatience. Help us to love people right where they're at, right the way that Jesus would love them. I pray that you would help us to remember the love that you showed us when we, when we needed it, when we were young, when we were immature. Help us to show that type of love to the people around us. I pray for those that are going through serious problems and storms in their life. I pray right now, Spirit of God, would you overwhelm them, flood them with the love of your Spirit right now. Sometimes you don't take us out of situations, but you promise to always be with us through every situation. So I pray love rise up in our hearts. Your word says that perfect love casts out fear. So we call for perfect love to cast out fear in your people in Jesus' name this morning. And lastly, we pray for those that are feeling hopeless and discouraged like they've messed up too many times and they can't go back to the love of the Father. Right now this morning, I believe you're speaking to them and saying, I see you, I love you, and I take pride in you, son and daughter. Thank you, God, that your love never runs out and never runs dry on us. We thank you for this time today, God. I pray as we walk out those doors, we walk out with the fruit of love growing inside of us to love our world the way that you would want us to. We thank you for this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. Hope you had a great time at church. God bless you, and we hope to see you again next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.